Can Javier Millet overcome resistance to fulfill his free market reform vision for Argentina? Let's find out. Hello, everybody. I'm Graham Walker coming to you today from the Independent Institute in Oakland, California. Welcome to Independent Outlook, where we try to bring you an independent take on the issues of the day. To talk about Argentina and its new president, Javier Millet, we are joined today by a couple of extraordinary experts who follow Argentine affairs very closely. First of all, let me welcome Alvaro Vargas Llosa. Welcome, Alvaro. Thank you for having me. Great, great to see you. Uh, many of you may know Alvaro Vargas Llosa because he's, first of all, of course, a senior fellow here at the Independent Institute in our Center on Global Prosperity, uh, and he has been a nationally syndicated columnist with the Washington Post Writers Group, but also he's published uh, books with the Independent Institute. This one's especially uh, pertinent. This one's called Liberty for Latin America, uh, which received the Anthony Fisher International Memorial Award, and uh, also, among other books, this book, uh, Lessons of the, from the Poor, The Triumph of the Entrepreneurial Spirit, very much worth reading. Uh, Alvaro Vargas Llosa is a native of Peru, and you may have read him in the Wall Street Journal, Los Angeles Times. I heard him on the BBC World Service or on Univision. Uh, he's also written for La Nación and Argentina. Uh, we're so grateful to have Alvaro Vargas Llosa with us today. And in addition, we are delighted to have Gabriel Gasave, who is a research fellow at the Independent Institute, uh, also in our Center on Global Prosperity. He's taught economics and law uh, at the Argentina Chamber of Commerce Universe and at the University of Buenos Aires, uh, and also has a chapter in the book I just mentioned. Uh, welcome to you, Gabriel Gasave. Thank you, Graham. Uh, Gabriel is himself a native of Argentina, so he's especially closely tuned in, and he recently came back from a couple of months in Buenos Aires, so he probably has a sense of things on the ground in Buenos Aires right now. Uh, glad to have you both. Williamson Evers is, of course, my regular partner in these efforts. Bill Evers, nice to see you. Thank you. Uh, Bill Evers is the director of our Center on Educational Excellence and has been following these things closely. Uh, largely, I'm going to leave this conversation to you, Bill, as you talk with our experts, but maybe you want to give them a uh, first question to get the lay of the land. I think uh, our American viewers don't know enough about Argentina, <laughs> and they need to know something about the setting, the situation in the country when it was going through the various stages of the presidential election and how it came to be that a thoroughgoing classical liberal uh, like Javier Malahi came to be the winning candidate. There must have been unusual situation in the country. So if you could set forth some of that so our viewers understand the setting, I think it would be helpful. Thank you. Um, well, I, I think uh, you, you don't get a classical liberal um, or uh, a self-styled uh, anarcho-capitalist uh, in power in any country, much less in Latin America, unless something major is happening. And uh, what was happening uh, when this uh, took place was a, a catastrophe, national catastrophe from every point of view political, economic, institutional, moral. Uh, Argentina uh, is um, seen by the rest of the region and, and much of the world as a country that was once one, one of the most prosperous in the world. One of the uh, There's an a interesting debate about how prosperous it was, but uh, at the turn of the 20th century, it was certainly one of the 10 most developed countries in the world, a country, country that attracted millions of migrants from Europe, um, a country that was... Uh, uh, clearly part of the much first... more sorry much more prosperous than Canada for example and the, much more prosperous and, than Canada and than many many uh, 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 European countries including uh, Italy it was more prosperous at the time even than France uh, and so on so how did a country like that become a country where half of the population is below the poverty line um, where um, institutions ha have become a, a complete joke um, where um, people have become so desperate that they are quitting uh, and they're simply leaving the country. Uh, Spain uh, is full of Argentinians. Um, other Latin American countries have received some uh, Argentinian migration, the United States uh, as well. Um, so the context was one of, of, of deep, deep crisis, and that crisis was long in the making, except that the last Peronist government, just before Malay came into, into government, um, uh, took uh, the, the national catastrophe to a new level. 
Uh, inflation reached uh, something like 200%. When, when you are at those levels of inflation, it's difficult uh, to, to give an exact figure, but about 200%. Um, that, that was huge. Uh, the country had uh, ceased growing uh, a long time ago. Uh, and of course, um, you, were, um, you were having a situation in which there was um, uh, the real possibility uh, that uh, democracy itself would would collapse. Um, so I think it's important to understand, Bill, that this did not happen in a vacuum and it didn't happen because Argentinians suddenly woke up one morning and said, you know, we're uh, Rothbardians. Uh, it just didn't happen like that. And one still wonders how many of those who voted for Millet actually uh, voted because uh, they believe in his ideas. I'm sure a number of them have been uh, convinced uh, by now, but uh, many probably voted simply out of complete desperation because th there was a guy who stood against everything that had gone on since the return of democracy in the 1980s. Anything you want to add, Gabriel? Well, about uh, the si about the situation. Yeah, someone said once that there were two curious cases in the world: Japan and Argentina. Japan having nothing, reached everything, and Argentina having everything, lost it, and ended up having nothing. And the Argentine's decadence, I think it started almost 100 years ago, uh, around the 1930s, when nationalistic ideas uh, invade the country. They created a lot of entities, uh, uh, government offices, trying to control exports, imports, the agricultural production, the culture production. So then in, in, the, in the middle of the 40s, Perón came in, and since then, Argentines took for granted that regulations, prohibitions, restrictions was the natural way of living. So suddenly, uh, uh, a, few, a few years ago, people start thinking that those uh, those ideas, those ideologies, don't don't work anymore, and they they were start looking for something new. And then it's when Javier Millet, Millet came in. He was an economist, an academic. He was in several uh, uh, TV programs, so he was he he became very well known by people. He practically every night in 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 any program you could uh, you could saw him, and. Then he was elected president. His personality attracted young people. Uh, the disaster that the previous uh, administration uh, made helped him to, to get more voters. So now we have a chance that we never had before. And my question is that if those people who were attracted by his personality is going to support him when the personality or the character implement measures that affect them. I, I, I don't know if no. I, I, it, it's... You no, understand we understand it? you. Yeah. We understand you. Yeah. Um, well, I think this is true of a, a lot of political movements. I mean, how many American voters understand the program exactly of Biden when they elect him or of Donald Trump when they elect him or of George W. Bush when they elect you know? They, um, a number of things figure in what your neighbors are saying, what the barber or hairdresser or the taxi driver is saying. It's And then it can, as people try and implement the promises that they made or the program that they laid out, some people fall off. We, we will see. Now, what is the situation in the parliament? Uh, who has he put into his cabinet in terms of political alliances and in terms of technical ability. Um, some, I, I guess we could start with that and then go into some of his immediate measures and then what he's trying to get through the parliament. I think, Bill, that um, that's going to be a very interesting situation to watch, um, uh, as has been amply uh, written in, in, in the press. Um, he has a, he commands a very uh, tiny group of people in, in parliament, only 10% um, of the Senate and 15% of the lower house. He only has uh, 37 deputies. Uh, that, is, that is very, very small indeed. So he relies on um, several other groups. 
Uh, and it, it remains to be seen what prize they will extract from him for, for their support. Uh, that includes the party of former President Macri, Mauricio Macri, a center-right guy, who believes in some of the ideas, perhaps it's fair to say many of the ideas uh, that Millet uh, espouses. But when he was in government for circumstances that it would be um, uh, too lengthy to analyze right now, uh, was not able to implement them. Um, so uh, there's a fair chance that he will uh, and his group will support uh, Millet, uh, except that he only commands a, a, a similar number of uh, deputies. So they need a lot more. Um, there's another group, uh, the, uh, the, the one of the historical Latin American parties, um, the uh, Radical Civic uh, Union, a, a party that's right. more than I 100 remember, years old. I remember that, when I... When I was in grammar school, I had to learn all the presidents and leaders of the world. And I think Fondizi or somebody like that was the head of Argentina but, at that time. And he was from that part. Uh, Fondizi, yes. Yeah, yeah. Fondizi. But, but the party goes back, I mean, you know, a cent, more than a century. Right. So the thing is that party stands for what used to be called in the 60s and 70s desarrollismo, meaning uh, developmentalism. Uh, essentially uh, ah. a, a philosophy that espoused uh, all sorts of government Import, inter intervention. Import substitution. E exactly. Import substitution. Um, and yeah. and uh, interventionism on almost every level. Um, and it's, um, uh, you know, clearly a party that uh, does not believe in most of Millet's um, ideas, uh, except that uh, at this point for political but, reasons. But historically... It, Historically, they don't like the Peronists. No, they, they, that's one thing. And the other thing is that uh, politically, they're in a tough spot. So they may have to go uh, along with him, but they will, they will also try to water down many of the, of the reforms. And then there's another group um, headed by a, by a moderate former uh, Peronist. Uh, the, the Peronists, as, as you know, um, uh, have many factions. And, uh, you know, they, they, yes. they, they pretty much cover the entire spectrum. You have people on the left, people on the right, moderates, radicals. Uh, it's a culture more than a party, more than, more than a movement. Um, right. so, so some of them but had, will have they to had vote as more, well. They had a more, more pro-business, pro-market leader. I'm not going to, something with an M. I don't know no, how to pronounce Menem, it. But but that was, yeah, but that, that's not, Menem. okay. Yeah, that, he, he's a former president, but he's not, um, he's not part of this of, the, of this deal. Um, I see. And, and okay. the party I was talking about is is uh, is headed by a guy called Pichetto, but he's not he's not um, part of the men and group right now. He's essentially okay. So uh, essentially, they, what so you have, Bill, I think what was important to understand is you have an extremely complex situation in which Millet is going to have right. to do what he hates doing, which is a politics. Uh, he his right. his entire political persona. Uh, is built around the notion that he's here to do away with politics as usual, uh, to do away with the political class and get things done and liberate people from uh, the stranglehold that the government has on them and that the political class has uh, on them and has right. has had for for many years. How do you do that? How you how do you do that when you have a legislative uh, context of the kind I just uh, described and with a huge block of Peronists? and extreme leftists as well, uh, whose only obsession is to simply not only just uh, stop the reforms, uh, but to get rid of, of, of Millet. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be very tough. And another scenario, and I'll finish with this, uh, uh, will be uh, the streets. Um, the streets in Argentina have a, a political significance that goes beyond what they have in other parts of the world. Um, and uh, people who are um, at this point um, part of the legislature are also have one foot in the street, as it were, uh, where many other groups are um, linked to them and allied with them. Uh, and they are going to be extremely active and possibly violent. So the streets um, will include be, uh, the labor unions. Very, very important factor. The streets incl include the labor unions. The streets include the Yes, but and they are Peronist-controlled or influenced to a large extent. Many of them, of course. Um and so I think so. I, th I think it's it's important to understand that Millet's personality, um, uh, in, in in many ways, very 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 Argentinian, very representative of a certain uh, type of Argentinian, um, will be both an advantage and a disadvantage here. 
perhaps a disadvantage in the sense that he's very confrontational, of course, and in a scenario in which you need to do politics, uh, this may not help. But at the same time, without the personality that he has, he would not have attracted the millions of young people that he has. He wouldn't have attracted the kind of um, support that he did. And uh, we have learned from the experience of other countries that engage in major free market reform, whether it be New Zealand in the late 80s and early 90s, whether it be uh, Estonia in the early uh, 90s uh, or Ireland in the late uh, 80s and early 90s. Um, you need to get tough. You need to be very forceful, uh, not only in expressing what you believe, but in the pushing things, things through uh, within a democratic, obviously democratic uh, framework. And his personality uh, will help in that respect. So both, I mean, you have you have both sides of this personality uh, in many ways uh, uh, b becoming a factor of both positive and, and negative in this scenario. So Gabriel, he put through some executive measures that he could do as president without having to go through the legislature. And then he decided to create an omnibus bill, so a giant bill that covered lots of different topics and packaged them together. So can you say something about the executive actions and then something about the omnibus bill? Oh, yes, well, uh, um, Millet is trying to implement his reforms through two kind of instruments. One is called a decree of necessity and urgency. Decreto de necesidad y urgencia, reforming by decree several more than 300 laws. It was signed the first week he took power, after, after taking power. And then he presented a bill that is, uh, today they start the, the, the treatment of that uh, bill at the, in the parliament. So this the, is, the, the this is going to... started this morning. Okay, so you need to say what today is because this is going to go out on the internet uh, a few days from now. So today what is today? It's the last day of January. All right. It's Wednesday, so the 31. Can you can you give a few examples about what he did by decree? Well, uh, by, What kinds of laws? Again, Americans know nothing about these, by decree, these Argentine laws. He, he ended up the price control system that was implemented during years in Argentina, every time that we have an inflation process, they try to camouflage the, the, the inflation uh, uh, using price control. So they, they were implemented several times along the decades and, and he finished with, with that uh, measures. He, the, the prices are free now. So that's why we have a, a prices spike during the last weeks and people are complaining that the inflation is uh, uh, increasing, but, but he warned he warned them during the campaign. Yeah, I'm going to do this. Yeah, and this is going to be the immediate consequence before everybody adjusts. But you know, everybody vote for something, but what that something affect him, they they react. So what right. has happened now that all the interest group that are being affected by the decree and the bill are reacting. So. It's going to be hard. The Peronist party is the, the worst opposition that you can have when you are in power because they don't tolerate someone who won them the elections. They, they created what is called informally the helicopter club. It's because the President Fernando de la Rua, who was from the radical party, had to left the, the pink house, which is uh, our... The, the White House. Yeah, yeah, the White House is here the penthouse in Buenos Aires, he left if, uh, after resigning in a helicopter. So those guys created the helicopter uh, club waiting for the, the president that don't belong, doesn't belong to the Peronist party, take the, the helicopter to, to, to leave power. So they are really a bad opposition. You cannot deal with most of them. And uh, as I, I'm saying, Many different sec uh, sectors of the society being affected by interests that they kept during decades and decades, privileges that they, they kept during decades are, are reacting. So uh, the discussion of the law uh, started to, uh, today, uh, January 31, and the bill is 
supposedly is, is some of the 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 provision of the, of the uh, not the bill the decree are in in an effect uh, these days but the the courts are stopping many of them for instance they declare that the provisions about uh, reform of the labor system it's unconstitutional so they stop that application of the decree in those in those areas as, uh, and so it they are making him the uh, difficult to 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 govern it, it's that's the that's the the sad point of this yeah. can, can i add something bill very quickly uh, certainly, wh certainly. Wh what's absurd uh, in this scenario is that he is being accused Millet is being accused uh, of governing or or uh, intending to govern like pinochet uh, or fujimori in peru in other words of becoming a dictator um it, it is completely absurd because uh, right now, you're having courts uh, actually uh, issuing injunctions uh, against uh, some of his reforms. You're having him uh, water down a few of the reforms in Congress in order to get them passed. Uh, you have people, uh, you know, in the streets. Uh, you've had a, a strike just a few days ago. Uh, you have a, a democratic system uh, very much alive uh, in, in Argentina at, at this point. Uh, now, it is true that he has issued a decree, uh, but that's um, under the Constitution uh, of Argentina. That's allowed. In 2006, the Peronist government at the time um, uh, introduced this reform so that uh, they themselves, uh, and by definition, any government that came after them, uh, could issue decrees of, of this nature. The, these are decrees that still have to go through Congress. Uh, if both chambers of Congress um, strike down the decree, the decree uh, is, is simply stopped. Um, so uh, even, if, even if that uh, decree that Gabriel just talked about went into force um, a few weeks ago, it could still be stopped by, by the Congress uh, if the Congress so, so decided. So nothing of what is happening at this point in Argentina warrants the accusation uh, uh, or justifies the accusation uh, that has been uh, thrown against uh, Millet in order to try to uh, delegitimize both his government and his reforms. So let's talk a little bit about some possible delays that are already occurring and some worrisome things. So the delays, the government energy company, the government oil company, he had campaigned that he was going to privatize that along with other government businesses. And they, they've stepped back from that. I guess there was counter pressure. The idea of dollarization and abolishing the central bank, I don't think that's been taken off the agenda, but it's certainly been pushed into the future. Uh, and then there's the prospect of possibly income taxes and additional export taxes coming in. I think we should get some sense of some of this. At the same time, what, why delay is a worry? Because when you try to make a, a thoroughgoing classical liberal reform, the longer you delay, the longer the interest groups have time to mobilize to slow you down. So anyway, Either of you want to discuss some of this? And maybe we could get Gabriel to talk about dollarization because, Gabriel, you hosted a big event in Buenos Aires recently on that subject. Right. Oh, sure. Well, I, I want to add something about what Alvaro said about the decree. The decree is approved by a law. The use of the decrees are were approved by a law that make it constitutional uh, by Christina Kirchner when she was a senator and, his, and her... And her husband was in power so she she implemented that to help and she later became president yeah. and yeah. they are yeah. both peronists she and her husband exactly well apparently dollarization has been put aside for a while they tried to stabilize stabilize the, the economy before implementing it emile in several interviews that he had this week said that he's gonna make it he's gonna dollarize the argentina and uh, the, the the central bank is trying to to recover some reserve that it was uh, empty of, of them when when took power. And right. I think that 
this is my personal opinion, my personal view. As someone that from Argentina suffered inflation my whole life. For instance, when I was going to school and I took the bus to go to the school, I had to ask the driver how much the fee was that morning because the fees were changing. The, t the price of the ticket changed every day mostly. So uh, I got accustomed to live in inflation. So I don't trust on the peso anymore. Millet promised to put an end to the peso and close the central bank. And, and I agree with that. We, the peso doesn't deserve another chance. And because as Steve Hankey said, is to, to preserve the peso is like trying to uh, rearrange this, the chairs on the deck of the Titanic. It's keeping something that is gonna be a disaster sooner or later. So I think that the dollarization would be the best legacy that Millet could leave for Argentina because any other kind of reforms he can implement if he's successful during his four years tenure could be revoked for a new by a new administration in the future. But once that the people start using the dollar, nobody will take it out from their hands anymore. That's the example that we have is Ecuador. No regime that came after uh, uh, Mahuan, the president who dollarized, could, was able to, to take the, the dollar and implement a new Sucre or another, another kind of, of currency. So I think that the best Millet could, could do for Argentina is get the peso out of the scene and, and implement a dollarization. And maybe in the future, Argentinians can, can look for another kind of currency uh, uh, or, or monetary system. But that, that would be great if he can get it. Uh, I, I think um, because as, I, I'm sorry, Gabriel. No, yeah. I was going to uh, maybe for um, our, our American audience, we, we should explain um, the way the system worked just before Millet came into power, and that makes it difficult for him to dollarize at this at this point. Um, what was happening was essentially uh, uh, the the central bank, the central bank was funding uh, the government, of course. Uh, and so what they did is uh, it was a kind of merry-go-round kind of system. I mean, utterly ridiculous. The, the, the central bank um, printed money and gave it to the government, as, as they do in so many countries. And then they um, issued sh some uh, short-term debt to try and mop up, to try and sterilize um, some of those pesos. Uh, but, of course, the only way to convince the banks, the commercial banks, to buy those, <laughs> those, those bonds or that paper uh, was to offer them um, uh, incredibly surreal um, interest rates. Uh, now they're at 130%. Um, so, uh, of course, what was happening is the central bank uh, was defeating the whole purpose of this, uh, of this game because it was having to print more money just to pay interest on the uh, paper that it was issuing in, in order to remove those pesos from, uh, those excess pesos from, from the market. Uh, so anyway, now, of course, Millet has inherited a situation in which the central bank uh, is loaded and loaded and loaded with uh, short-term liabilities and other types of liabilities. So what he uh, feels is that he um, and, and and the system in general need, needs to clear some of that, um, some of those liabilities, some of that debt uh, before it can it can uh, go into into some currency, some alternative currency like like the dollar, because otherwise, of course, your liabilities become liabilities. Uh, uh, denominated in dollars as well, and that that could create huge problems. Uh, that's one issue. The other issue, of course, is, as Gabriel was saying, is that the bank reserve that uh, the the central bank that uh, Millet inherited uh, had negative reserves, um, which is of course another ridiculous situation. Uh, but uh, there is such a thing. There can be such a thing as a central bank with negative uh, negative reserves. So he's trying to build back some of those reserves. Uh, or rather, the central bank is trying to build back some of those reserves, and it's it's bought about uh, five billion dollars in in recent uh, in recent days. Uh, now, there's an interesting debate about whether you can go go ahead and dollarize despite everything that I just described, or whether you should uh, stabilize things first and and clear some of that debt, um, and 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 then and and then uh, dollarize. Um, uh, but that's a different discussion. The thing is, that's where he's coming from at this point, and that's why he has uh, postponed. This measure, but as Gabriel said, he has uh, reiterated many times uh, these past few days that he will go ahead with that 
when he can. What he has also said is that he doesn't, at this point, he hasn't made a decision whether it'll be straight uh, dollarization or whether it'll, it'll be uh, some kind of currency competition whereby people will be able to choose uh, their preferred currency. But I, I suppose that if that's the case, people will, will choose dollars as they would in most Latin American uh, countries. In many ways, Argentinians have already chosen the dollar uh, as, as their currency. Yeah. He also did rectify some of the foreign exchange situation. I'm not, uh, he it was you know way out of whack with reality and they, they made some changes on that. Um, and the, you asked about the energy, uh, the energy company very quickly. Yeah, the energy company. Yeah, exactly. of course. Yeah. He, he wants to privatize the energy company uh, along with another 40 uh, state-owned uh, enterprises. Um, but there's strong opposition, not only among the Peronists and, uh, and the extreme left, but also among some of his allies and the moderates who might vote with him uh, in, in, uh, in Congress uh, for his reforms. Um, uh because they think that that will mm, uh, imperil energy independence. Um, and, and there's, as you know, in, across the region, across Latin America, and Argentina is not a, um, an exception. Um, there's almost this, this, this mystical uh, dimension um, to energy companies and to oil companies in general. Um, the idea right. that, that, that uh, the country's sovereignty uh, is imperiled if a, if a foreign company uh, owns uh, your uh, uh, energy concern. Uh, but the thing is, uh, when this company was uh, nationalized uh, more than a decade ago, slightly more than a decade uh, ago, the promise that is that was that um, it would produce a lot more barrels of oil per day than it is producing now, uh, about four times more. Um, and uh, not, not only that, but uh, that some of the uh, bottlenecks that were making transportation of, of those hydrocarbons so difficult um, would be sorted out. And right now that is not the case. So even if they were producing a lot more uh, barrels of oil, they wouldn't be able to transport it uh, because right now you have um, uh, huge bottlenecks. Uh, why is all of this happening? Because reminds, the, reminds, it reminds yeah. me of the energy and electrical companies in South Africa, which are such a disaster and are ruining that country's economy. Yes. Um, well, so I hope, I hope, I hope, uh, I. I realize that he uh, still aspires to do this, doing this nationalization, yeah. but I mean, he's getting this pushback. Everything that he has put on hold, he says that he will go ahead and do it eventually. Um, but he's having to backtrack uh, temporarily because, as I said, the problem, his problem right now, and not the Peronists and the extreme left. I mean, that is only part of the problem. The problem is he needs to persuade enough people from the center-right uh, party um, of, of the former president, Macri, um, the uh, civic union and the the moderate or ex uh, Peronist uh, that uh, they 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 uh, to to support the, his reforms and in order for him to uh, persuade them he's having to water down water down some of the uh, uh, reforms but he believes he says he so, believes in so them he and that put, he will go ahead with them um, later on. So he put some of the more friendly. Uh, technically skilled people and politicians from these other parties into his cabinet. And he got the, so there were several, Argentina has a staged presidential election system and Patricia, I'm not Bullrich. sure how to pronounce, yes, Patricia okay, so Bullrich. she came to support him in later rounds and her people are helping him in some of these cabinet positions and I guess they must be helping him some in Parliament too. Something, Bill, that I would like to add is that the the more severe the crisis is, the easier it is to implement huge right. reforms. So, right. regarding dollarization, if he stabilizes the economy, many yeah. people will say, "Well, it's it's everything is okay now. Why why right. do we need the dollar? We can." continue using the peso. So that's yeah. a dilemma that, that right. exists and that's, in, in and a that's society the, like the Argentinian one. Right. I, I agree. It's a political and sociological phenomenon that you can, if you see clearly the horrible things that are going on and you see an alternative, but if things are plugging along, it doesn't seem so necessary to take a drastic step. I wonder if our, Ameri our American viewers are listeners are fascinated by Pope Francis being an Argentine 
and what kind of social and political views he might have imported into his uh, term in the papacy and how that might go into the sort of history of the political culture in, in Argentina. Um, sh shall I go ahead or do you want to go ahead, Gabriel? Sure, uh, sure. Okay. Um, I think, that, well, this is a very interesting um, situation. Um, when he became Pope, um, there was a huge question mark. Um, would he um, would he be a progressive, uh, so to speak, uh, quote unquote, uh, kind of Pope? And if so, what would be his relationship like um, with his home country? And uh, that relationship uh, became um, very annoying to the non peronist because um, he uh, became very, very close uh, to, the, to, to Christina Kirchner and to the Kirchner government in general. Uh, that government went on from uh, 2003 uh, for, for the next uh, uh, 15, uh, sorry, 12 and, years. And just to remind 12th... our yeah, and just to remind our Americans, they were a peronist government. The two, the two Kirchners. Yeah, exactly. Continue. So that went on from 2003 to 2015. And um, during that time, he became extremely cozy with, extremely close to uh, um, Kirchnerismo. Um, and that annoyed the opposition uh, enormously because at the time, um, the, the, not only was, was uh, Kirchner implementing uh, some of these very interventionist uh, and socialist type ref uh, reforms uh, that have created the enormous mess that has been inherited, well, that was first inherited by Macri, and then um, uh, after the uh, following government, which was another parent's government, by Millet. Uh, but it was also a very authoritarian government. It was, it was manipulating uh, the institutions of democracy in such a way that it was trying to create a very authoritarian type of environment um, in which presidential power clearly became disproportionate. Uh, and um, nevertheless, um, Pope Francis was very, very close, very supportive of that government. Um, so uh, when Macri came into power, um, uh, it was thought that uh, perhaps uh, the Pope would uh, go for some kind of rapprochement with him uh, because he must have been conscious at the time of the disaster that Macri inherited, uh, but he did not. He was very distant uh, from that government, and and he made it known that he um, wanted to keep a, a distance. He was he he treat he treated Macri and, and his government uh, very coldly. Um, so now um, you have an even more interesting situation, uh, which is that of course uh, Pope Francis doesn't believe in any of what Millet is, is doing. Um, Plus, Millet has been extremely critical of the Pope, and uh, libertarians in general in Argentina have been very critical of, of the Pope in the past. But now Millet is having, of course, uh, to establish some kind of dialogue with him, and uh, he's uh, about to go on a trip um, to uh, Italy and Israel, and he will be visiting uh, the Vatican in order to try and um, you know, establish some kind of ongoing um, dialogue with him even though these two people hate their hate each other's guts and stand for extremely, extremely incompatible uh, philosophy. So it'll be very interesting to watch. I don't know how Gabriel, uh, Gabriel sees that dynamic, but I see it from, from, from outside uh, like something to, to, to watch because uh, the, the Pope is, 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 is a political factor in Argentina, whether you like it or not. Well, Millet is planning to visit him the, the first weeks on, in February and start talking and, and trying to to leave behind disagreements. Uh, but what I I see that it, the influence of the Pope in Argentina lately has uh, has been very very uh, scarce. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Attenuated. Yeah. Yeah. People that don't care much about what he says or, or what about his opinions. Uh, Basically, people who is against uh, the ideologies that sometimes the Pope uh, seems to support, like uh, going to Cuba or to, uh, with uh, dealing with Maduro in Venezuela or other regimes, uh, make some noise. But uh, in general, uh, the the Pope is not a new 
an issue lately in, in the country. People don't don't care. I think that a visit, uh, if he if he could visit the country, would be a huge event, and um, many religious people will be so happy of having the the Pope in Argentina. But uh, in in daily basis, it doesn't affect much what he says or what he he thinks. Fortunately, I I I think I mean although although that that uh, that's very true. I I still think that uh, he will become an important player, but an indirect player, uh, so to speak, uh, eventually. Obviously, it's too soon uh, for him to st start boycotting uh, Millet. Uh, there's also a, a, a problem, of course. The Pope has um, has to um, you know protect um, his church, and his church has been. Um, getting some uh, some tough opposition from the uh, evangelicals and the Protestants in general in Latin America in recent decades. That's that's a, that's another discussion right. for for another day. But um, but, he, it, but it's he can't it's alienate. an amazing yeah he can amazing growth of evangelical Protestants exactly. in Latin America that but he can generally Americans are not not aware of but exactly it's huge. and and it's beginning uh, it's beginning to happen in Africa too so those are the most important the two most important reserves of Catholicism if you want uh, at, at this point so he has to be very careful um, uh, about what he does in in Latin America uh, uh, if he doesn't want to uh, you know create a, 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 a an even weaker position for uh, for the church at the same time uh, he's a very political pope like like many of them um, he's also uh, uh, quite an ideological pope, and he's also somebody who we know stands for um, the opposite of what Millet believes. So I wouldn't put it beyond him uh, if his health permits. Um, a little later on, uh, if he sees that uh, Millet is having trouble uh, pushing through some of his reforms and, the, and he you know, eventually becomes unpopular or something like that uh, in a different kind of context, in other words, from today's, um, I wouldn't put it beyond him. Uh, to start creating trouble indirectly um, in 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 Argentina, you, you you can never know what what he will do. So I'm wondering if uh, we could maybe conclude by putting Argentina's political and economic situation and Malay's appearance on the scene in the context of the entire region of Latin America, and we could conclude with that. This has been a very interesting and wide-ranging discussion. So uh, I think if we, you know, talked about Peru and Ecuador and Colombia, Chile and Brazil and some of these other things, and uh, that would that would be a fruitful. Yeah, you know, well, way to uh, I, wrap it up. I I think um, uh, we've never seen such a diversity of of regimes and. Um, political leanings uh, in government in, in Latin America. It's, it's, it's really quite astounding. Uh, but in general, I, I would say that until very recently, we had a predominant um, left-wing bent uh, in, in the region, uh, various forms of, of left-wing populism uh, with many different nuances. These were very different types of governments in, in many respects, but generally speaking, that's what you had. Uh, but now uh, we see uh, we're seeing the beginning of a reaction. We've seen a reaction in Peru where the um, former vice president of a president who was a Marxist and who tried to engineer a self-coup betrayed him, became president, constitutional, I should say, um, and is now hated by the left and is seen as a right wing uh, president, even though she really isn't a right wing president at all at all. But that's the way she is perceived. Um, you have um, Millet, of course, is in and of itself a form of reaction against left-wing populism in the in the in the region. Um, the president of Colombia, a former guerrilla guy, um, who is is a, an outright demagogue, um, has become hugely unpopular, and there's been a, a, a major reaction uh, from many quarters um, in Colombia and in Chile. Of course, um, we uh, recently saw. Um, the the uh, various um, uh, uh, movements or currents um, of the left uh, who were trying to uh, change the constitution uh, and frame a new constitution um, very much in line with their ideas uh, failed to do so because the same middle class that had supported them uh, between 2019 and 2021-22 uh, suddenly decided that they had gone too far and that they were imperiling 
um, the Chilean model, uh, a model with which those very same voters were very frustrated just a couple of years ago. So a very a, a surreal type of scenario. And then you have uh, what's even more surreal, uh, a populist- Brazil. In, well, yeah, well, yeah, Brazil, where Lula returned to power, one of the most corrupt yeah. uh, presidents uh, we have had in Latin America in a long time. And, and that's uh, saying a lot, if, if you know the region. Uh, <laughs> and then we have Mexico. I mean, Mexico is fascinating. You have a, a populist, uh, a, a populist guy with a left-wing discourse, uh, but who is more careful um, with the fiscal purse um, and, and with the central bank than many other types of left-wing populists we have had and have today in, in, in Latin America. So that so, he sometimes had, sometimes Boliv sometimes Bolivia can be like that too. Well, you can have it, a, it wasn't a, a, a left wing populist, and, and then you can have yeah, so, uh, yeah some yeah they attracted some care foreign on capital. the fiscal and banking side yeah, and attracted right. foreign capital. And now that has changed in in, in Bolivia somewhat. It, it's it's the, the the situation there is 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 uh, quite terrible. But yes, until recently, that's what you had. Um, so anyway, in this scenario. Um, uh, we, we have Millet, um, whom everybody is watching. Uh, his enemies, people like Maduro in Venezuela, because uh, they are desperate for him to fail. Maduro is facing a presidential election this year. Um, he's trying to avoid it, but eventually he will have to call it. And his uh, um, antagonist is a woman, a lady, Maria Corina Machado, whose ideas are very much the same ideas uh, that Millet espouses, except that Maria Corina you know, is, is more elegant in her, in her uh, forms, in her demeanor. But she uh, believes in many of the things that Millet believes. So Maduro is watching very carefully. She combs her hair. Yes, she combs, she combs her hair. She combs her hair. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so uh, Maduro ha has a stake in what's happening in Argentina for that reason. And at the same time, uh, in countries like Peru, uh, in countries like Paraguay very recently, um, you've we've seen um, groups beginning to become very much uh, alive um, on the libertarian side. Uh, people who were uh, until recently, um, you know, removed from politics, thinking that there was no way that uh, somebody who stands for libertarian ideas um, could make an inroad in the, within the political system uh, and, and just sticking to the, um, to, to the to academics, uh, so to speak, um, or to academia now be beginning to believe that there's a future for them in politics as well. So they're watching very carefully what's happening uh, with, with Millet. He, he has become clearly uh, a, a focal point, a, a somebody uh, whom everybody is watching, both for the right reasons and the wrong reasons. I can't resist tossing another final question in here, Bill, excuse me, but certainly. Uh, in mid-January 2024, uh, Javier Millet, uh, went to Davos, of all places, and gave a speech that seemed to turn the place upside down. Uh, Gabriel, did you listen to his speech? And, and why, was that, why was that speech such a big deal? Well, because he, want, he went there to tell, to tell people something that they didn't want to, to listen to. And he, he made an ideological speech instead of practical, of, of pragmatic. And it was a huge, a huge bomb in 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 the van. What he said, the defending capitalism, defending uh, entrepreneurs uh, and and businessmen as heroes, and and uh, warning the world that uh, we are in danger uh, because uh, socialist and collectivist ideas is are, are taking uh, place in everywhere and and our freedoms are, are are getting weaker and and well we lost many of those of those freedoms in, in fact so uh, it was a huge event and and, and and very provocative i think that his his purpose was to provoke the, those guys in the audience uh, that morning in, the, in davos it was great great to hear israel kersner and the discovery process of entrepreneurs explained to the Davos crowd. That was exactly. wonderful. Yeah. Okay, I think maybe we can wrap this up, Graham. That's great. I mean, this has been so fascinating. I would like to give our two experts uh, one last like, quick shot 
Will Javier Millet succeed? I'm going to ask you both, starting with Alvaro. I very much hope so. I think uh, it will transform uh, Argentina in many ways, and he will go down in history as one of the great um, uh, reformers of, of the 21st century if he does. But at this point, um, the forces um, acting against him are so powerful uh, that that remains a, a, an open question. If anybody can do it, do it, it's him, precisely because of that personality that we've uh, talked about. Um, but even so, I think it's an extremely, extremely uh, tough call to make at this point. Gabriel Gasave, will Javier Millet succeed? Well, I thought that he will really succeed because he he raised issues that weren't in discussion for a long time. So free market, the regulation, privatization weren't on the table in, in for decades since the 90s. So in that way, he won. Uh, now I'm moderately optimist about what he could be able to achieve because, as I said, the Peronists are, are is a huge movement and uh, as an opposition, they are not always very, very nice or never have been very nice or, uh, uh, and, and, and moderate. So, uh, as Alvaro said, it's a tough uh, task and, and uh, I wish for the lack of Argentina that he could be successful in, in the near future. And dollarize, well, dollarize the Argentinian, please. Yeah, that's, that, you say that's yeah. a Gabriel, crucial Gabriel step. Has, yeah. well, I should say, uh, um, Graham, that Gabriel has been fighting for this for a long time. So I, I can see why, uh, why he would want that to happen uh, sooner rather than later, because he's right. If this doesn't happen soon, it'll be postponed and postponed and postponed, and it may never happen. So he, he's right about that. Okay, President Millet, if you're listening. Okay, we're going to pay attention to this. And if you don't mind, gentlemen, we are going to return and ask you to give some more insight, uh, maybe in the near future as events unroll. I would like to point out that uh, for our, our listeners and viewers today, that you can go to our website, independent.org, uh, for the Independent Institute, and find some very interesting material written by both of our experts today. For example, I'm looking at this piece that you wrote, Gabriel, uh, called Javier Millet's Chainsaw Plan and the Five Principles of Oppression, uh, which were developed by Alvaro. And Alvaro uh, himself has a piece up on our website right now called Javier Millet's Free Market Revolution. I would encourage everyone to tune in to our website to keep updated on our analyses of this and other matters at independent.org. And thanking everyone for joining us, tuning in. Thank you especially to Bill Evers for leading our conversation. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. And to Alvaro Vargas Llosa and Gabriel Gasave, muchas gracias. Muchas gracias. gracias. See you all next time.